yesterday afternoon, evening. Missionary Jay Covert posted to my wall on Facebook to me, and this is to me, so it's concerning you. Jay Covert's never been to this church. I've never met him in person. I've watched him from afar. He'll be here in October. He is a inner city He's a U.S. missionary, inner city church planning, and he's not your cute little church planner. Jay Covert is bad to the bone. He goes into America's most dangerous neighborhoods and plants the light of the gospel through the gunfire and the bodies, literally. Jay Covert confirmed that said, there's no way he's never been in a service here. He's never... There's no way, I texted him and said, there's no way you could have known what you were saying to me outside of the Spirit of God. So can I read that to you? He says, just as the power of the thunder and lightning light the sky, so I desire to implode my spirit of power in my presence in my house. I sent you there with a vision that brings a mission not just to the area but for the region. I have spoken to you about a move of God that will gain attention. Witches and warlocks will come against you and will fail because I have angels encamped around about the church. You are stirring up the region and the darkness is being pierced. What was a blight and a bleak to be what was blight and bleak will be vibrant and alive again. My spirit will be poured out and my sons and daughters will be raised up in an instant for revival. You will, be, you will become a sending sender for the nations of the world. I am with you, I am for you, and I am the great I am. Praise God. let it be so if you've been here any length of time you know that a man that's never met us just confirmed what the spirit of god's been saying for two years you can be seated this morning and we'll turn to acts chapter two acts chapter two the kids head out May the Spirit of God fall in Children's Church. I've told most of you, you've heard me say, but I've told Kat and Children's Church and Jason and Kat and youth, I said, the goal is for children and, and students to be saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit in those services. In those services. Get them now. Acts chapter 2 on this Pentecost Sunday. How many of you know today is Pentecost Sunday? Pentecost, what's it mean? It means 50th, <laughs> 50th day. It was one of the feasts. Fell 50 days after the Passover. 
this came to mean something different today. I, I want you to know that I understand that Pentecostal is not found anywhere in the Word of God. We've adapted that as, as a, a term to describe a full gospel church. So when I use it, I don't use it to anyone's exclusion. I believe that the church was born to be Pentecostal. Hmm. Sounds like I got work to do this morning. God's plan for his church was full gospel. He had one plan and one plan only. Let me say it again. He had and has only one plan. We're going to take a scripture here in a moment, but I want to just set the stage again for where we're going this morning. I have felt such a strong, I would take time to read some things I've written lately, but that may be tonight. But I want to reiterate something again this morning. I believe we're in a time and an hour where the denominational lines are and will be coming irrelevant. That there will be a run back to the Word of God and the fullness of the Word of God. When I use the terms full gospel or Pentecostal, it's not to anyone's exclusion. It's to everyone's inclusion. It's not an AG doctrine. In fact, I, I, I don't know how to say it without somebody thinking I'm mad at the AG and all that stuff. I'm not mad at anybody other than when they try to compromise, I get mad. But I think it's even now a hindrance because people view the preacher through the platform that they stand on. Well, he's just preaching AG doctrine. No, I got better things to do than to preach, than to preach denominational standards. I'll just preach the word of God. And if it challenges your denominational stand, then let the Word of God speak. I would say to anyone today, anywhere, at any level, at any authority, let the Word of God speak. The church bought a con over the centuries that said that the power of God was only for the select few when the church was born. That is a lie. We were deceived. Much of the, most of the church world today has been deceived into the notion that the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit were for a bygone time whenever you cannot find it in the Word of God where it was anything other than God's plan. And we are coming into a dark hour where you're going to see people that will run to God as their hope, which they should. And we're going to come to a time, and I, I would submit we, that we are in the entrance of the time where provision and, 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 and sustenance and, and support and life will depend on a total dependence on the Word of God, the power of God, and the, and the Spirit of God. You say, that scares me. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he says, don't be concerned, don't be afraid, these things must be. No need to be afraid. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit. God has not given us, who's us, the church, the body of Christ. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. 
God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind, King James says, or self-control. Let me say that a different way, doing no harm to the Scripture. I want you to get it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. But he has given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. That is the, the Holy Spirit. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. And he said, for if you're afraid, he said that perfect love cast out how much fear? Unless gas gets high? Unless our security is left in the hand of fools. Unless the world turns upside down, violent and dangerous around you. All fear. I'll remind you as I do often that Paul told us in his letter to Timothy that the times, that the end, that the, those days of those last days were going to be dangerous, perilous times. There is nothing taking God off guard or by surprise, not one thing. So what I'm, what I'm prefacing today on this Pentecost Sunday is that, that, that I, I, if I preach something that makes you uncomfortable, we have people from all kinds of backgrounds here. We have AG backgrounds, we have Baptist backgrounds, we have Methodist backgrounds, we have some Catholic backgrounds, we have some, some uh, United Pentecostal backgrounds. We, I mean, if you don't know, some of those sound like they're real kin, but sometimes those people are further apart than the people that are furthest apart. We can fight over the Pentecostal world, we can fight over nothing. We can fight over nothing. We're not about that. We're not, we're not here to compromise truth. We're going to preach what the Word says. What I'm I believe what I'm saying is that as, as people are going to come, God's people are going to come into a desperate time where, going to, where they're going to throw off their, their, their denominational cloaks and they're going to run to the truth of God because they've got to have something bigger than their church. They've got to have something bigger than their denomination. They've got to have something bigger than their headquarters. They, and they're going to start reading the, God, read the Word of God for themselves and say, say well, this, God, Jesus said this. Paul said this. Then why, did I, why do I not believe this? Because somebody told me it wasn't for me. Well, I come to tell you today that Pentecost was Jesus' idea. I, 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 maybe this for a title, maybe. Blame it on him. Blame it on him. Isaiah prophesied that there would be a time. It says, with stammering lips and other tongues, will I, will I speak to my people? See, we don't get all tripped. We'll just cut right to the chase on a few things. We're not all, the church world's not all tripped up on the power of the Holy Ghost. They're, they get tripped up over the language. They, get, they stumble over the language. They get stumble over the evidence. They want the substance 
If I, if I went to any Bible-believing church in America today and I say, do you want to see the power of God in your church? Every hand would go up. See, we want the substance of the Holy Ghost, but we stumble over the evidence of his baptism. It doesn't really shock me because James talked about that no man could tame the tongue, that it was a flaming, that it was a, that it was a, a problem, a, a, it was a, a small fire that kindles a big blaze, that it was like, a, that our, that, that it was like bits in a horse's mouth and rut, small rudder on a big ship. Said so no man can tame it. So it's no, it's no, it's no, it's no mystery to me that we stumble over the spirit of God that that would work through what we can't control. I'll submit to you. Just blame it on Jesus. I, I sent you to Acts chapter two, but I think I'm going to turn over here to to Luke chapter sixteen or. Yeah, or Luke chapter 24. Mark chapter 16. Luke chapter 24, verse 46. Just blame it on Jesus, okay? I know when I was working for big corporations and managing stores, there'd be a district manager over me or a regional manager or whatever when they'd have hard things to change in a, in a situation and they knew it was going to cause a stir they'd say just blame it on me throw it uphill throw it to the authority so this morning I'm just going to blame it on Jesus Luke chapter 24 verse 46 and he said to them Written in red, thus it is written, and thus behoove Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witness of these things. My father... It said, and behold, I send the promise. Now, hold on. Who's speaking? Hey, if you've never been to Mag Church before, sometimes before we get rolling, we just break down Scripture for just a minute so you can see it. It's written in red in most of your Bibles, and it said, behold, I send. Who's speaking? So who's sending? Yeah, I went hard. Pop quiz. I send the promise of my Father on you. But tarry you in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. So who's sending the promise? Turn to Mark 16. Mark 16. And 17. 16. 16 and 16. Oh, why not read the whole commission? 
Mark 16 and 15. Are you there? And he said to them, Jesus again, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and they shall drink. If they drink any deadly things, it shall not, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Whose idea was it? Jesus. I should have read six, Mark 16 first because he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But then in Luke 24, he says, But before you go, stay. Luke, in Mark 16, he says, Go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And in Luke 24, he says, Go tear you in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I'll just submit to you right off the bat that God never t intended you to, you to go into this world with his gospel without his power. God never intended his church to go into, into this world without his power. I'll say it again. God never intended for his church to go into this world without his power. Before he ever was revealed as the Lamb of God... When he, or when he was revealed at the, for the Lamb of God, the, the, the voice that broke the silence of God some 400 years, John the Baptist revealed him. He says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away to the sin of the world. And he, says, he, and he started talking. He said, There's one coming after me who's preferred before me, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bend down and unlatch. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with Fire. I baptize you with water and to repentance, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Isaiah prophesied that it would come. Jesus said that he was going to do it in Mark 16. He told you in Luke 24 to wait on it. And he said, and then he says, when John the Baptist introduced him, he said, he said, so. Not only was it his thought, his idea, is he the one sending the promise, it's, but John introduces him as the baptizer. Oh, you, Jesus is the baptizer and the Holy Ghost. Let me, let me rattle your cage a little bit. You say, I got everything God had when I got saved. I got the Holy Ghost when I got saved. Let, look at me. You got Jesus when you got saved. You got Jesus when you got saved. You're not hearing me. You got Jesus when you got saved. Romans chapter 6 says that the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. Oh my word, I can talk about three baptisms right now. I can talk about it because, see, I'm baptized into Christ. That has nothing to do with water. It says that I'm baptized in water as the, as the sign, as the seal of my covenant. And then it says that, you see, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. That's amazing because, see, nobody comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Spirit. And the Spirit puts you into Christ. You're regenerated by the Spirit. But when you got saved, you got Jesus. You didn't get the baptism in the Holy Spirit when you got Jesus because Jesus himself said that he, said he was sending the one whom the world could not receive. Let me say it again. 
He said, I'm going to send the one. I'm going to baptize you in the one whom the world cannot receive. you got to get saved before you can receive. The Spirit baptizes you into Christ. The preacher baptizes you in the water. And, the, and Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Ghost. It was his idea. It was his. It's the promise of the Father. Promise sent by the Son. <laughs> prophesied by the prophet. He said, don't go till you stay. He knew what this old word. He said, hey, Jesus said, I'm sending you as sheep before wolves. You thought of, that you've been taught for 50 years and it was all blessings and money and prosperity and no harm and no sickness and no foul. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you out as sheep to the slaughter. He knew what this world was like. And he knew you couldn't do it on your own. He knew you needed more than... He said, it is expedient that I go away. It is absolutely necessary that I leave. He said, because if I do not leave, the comforter cannot come. He's talking about, he said, I will send you another comforter. He was saying, I will send you one that is just like me. That is not, but it's not bound by flesh. He said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he said, when he left... Oh, let me tell you, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, I'm just, just blame it on Jesus. Just blame it on Jesus. Is it okay? He gets blamed for a lot. Devil gets credit for a lot. Jesus gets blamed for a lot. This is one that you can blame him on him and then back it up with Scripture. Because see, John said, I baptize you with water. He said, but there's one coming that's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Jesus agreed with him in chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 5. He's about to ascend. He's about to leave. And he says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He said, and now the one I told you about, the one I told you I was going to do, the one I said that I was going to send, I'm leaving, but he's coming. And he said, now is the time. I'm on my way out. Now is the time. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And you know that they wanted to know about if it was the time they was going to get the kingdom back. That's what, that's what the church is asking today. Are the Republicans going to win the house? Y'all don't think that's what they were talking about? They were wanting underneath the Roman rule. They were wanting, they were wanting a, a ruling king. Will at this time you restore the kingdom unto Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. He said, but you shall receive power. But you shall receive power. Somebody get with me. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It was his idea. Blame it on him. Blame it on him. And I'm going to skip ahead just a second because somebody in this house and somebody watching by, by live stream, somebody that will watch later, needs to know that he, it was prophesied. 
That it was his idea, that he was who sent, that he's the one that baptizes in the Bible. It can't, it can't be the, one, the same act because, because the, the Bible says in Romans that Jesus does the baptizing into Christ and it, or, or that the Holy Spirit does the baptizing into Christ. And then it tells you that, that, it, that when John the Baptist prophesied that Jesus is the one that baptizes in the Holy Ghost. So it was his idea. He's the baptizer. He said it was coming. But I want to go ahead and just tell you that Acts 2.39 says that it's for you. Amen. Oh, man, now you're getting nervous. You could, you could say okay when it, whenever it was just a general principle. But Acts 2.39 says it's for you. What did he tell you? He said, go wait until Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. Is that what Luke says? Acts 2.39 says, and the promise is unto you. You ain't understanding the context of what he's saying. All of Acts chapter 2 is about the day of Pentecost. It's about when the, when, when the, when the Holy Spirit was given. And he says that it's not, it, it, said, it didn't say it was for them. It says it's for you. And to your children, oh, we're going to get there, thank you. And to your children, that's important, that's important. The promise is unto you and your children, that's important. I'll just remind you that Joel said that it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. It, it, it shall come to pass afterward. He said, and when Peter quoted him, he didn't say it shall come to pass afterward. He says, this is that. When he said, what is happening? He said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. After, and see, it was afterwards now because Jesus had came. The word had become flesh. Jesus had, had lived. He had, he had died. He had resurrected. He had ascended. It was afterward. He said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And by the way, all you people that want to end it in the first century, I got some things to talk to you about because Peter went on to talk about that we all agree that it says that the sun shall turn the darkness, the moon into blood, be all the things, the signs in the heavens and the earth beneath, fire and blood, vapor, smoke, shall, and we all agree that that's tribulation. So how in the world did he prophesy about something in the same breath that was to end the first at the, at the apostolic age and stuff that was going to happen after the church leaves all in the same breath, all in the same phrase, all at the same time. How much sense does that make in apologetics? Doesn't line up. Acts chapter 2, 39, look at it with me. For the promise is to you and I love conjunctions in the word of God the promise is unto you and your children oh I could I could have just took my text there and preached all day because I'm gonna tell you that messes up some that messes up some nominal doctrine like nothing else 
That, that, messes, that messes up cessationism like nothing else. That, that messes up the, 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 the thing that said that God empowered the early church more than he would empower today. That messes it all up. Because, see, if you believe that, the, that this baptism in the Holy Ghost ended with the apostolic age, that it ended when the last apostle died, then you're going to have to deal with and your children. Because they were all there. They all received. Oh, I better prove that, hadn't I? Back up. I don't usually teach on Sunday morning, but hey. On the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing by the wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them tongues like as a fire, and set on each of them, and they were all filled. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Here's another conjunction. And began to speak with other tongues. How many of them began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance? How many? How many? How many? How many? All of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. They were all filled. Peter, Paul, and Mary spoke in tongues. Not the 60 singers. The apostles and the beloved mother. My Catholic friend, Mary, spoke in tongues. Because it says the women were there and the mother, it says they were all there. It says they all spoke with other tongues, all of them. So who's he talking to? The church. All of them. He says, the promise is unto you. Now, if it had ended at the apostolic age, he could have just stopped right there. The promise is unto you. Not the, I want you to think. When I preach this word I, and, and I come up against something that's a stump for you, it is to cause you to think. I didn't write the book. Your argument's not with me. Blame it on him. Blame it on Jesus. Because the promise is unto you and your children. That's the next generation any way you cut it. So when, so, so when all that the 120 that was in the upper room that heard the message when it spilled out into the streets and they all heard it, it, it they, they had children and grandchildren. Many of them, certainly. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It says the promise is unto you and your children. All of them that are far off. When you go study that out, it means, it means in distance. Certainly, far off, down the road, down the street, across the country, across the world. But it also means, and in time. All of those that are far off, not just now, but as far as you can see. The promise is unto you, your children. All of those that are far off. And by the way, in case you didn't get it still, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. So, it was... The prophet prophesied it. Jesus, John testified of it. Jesus said he was going to do it. Jesus is the baptizer. And Luke has written that it's for you. 
I'm going to tell you one more time. You can blame it on him. It was all his idea. And I'm going to tell you another time, one more time. And the world that we live in, get it in your head, get it in your heart. Begin to let it, let it sink in. Let it, let it cause an urgency. Let it stir something in you for you to know that he never intended his, his church to go into this world powerless. He never intended for his church to be in this world powerless. Can I deal with one more thing? Got to hurry. If you believe that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells you that it was ended at the apostolic age, let me deal with that real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells you what the, what the, fruit of the, what the gifts of the Spirit are. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells you that the gifts of the Spirit operate in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 tells you, 1 Corinthians 12 tells you what they are, 13 tells you that they operate in love, and 14 tells you how they operate in the church. In order. And, and, and Paul wrote to, in that 13th chapter, he says, he says that where there are tongues, they shall cease, and where there's knowledge, it shall stop. And, and, and it talks about uh, the things that will fade away. That's true. When? When that which is perfect is come. It's not the canon of Scripture. It's when he comes back. Why? Why would... Because i got a question for you. I need you to stay with me. I got, I, I'm here today. I, I mean, I could have ripped, snorted, camp meeting preached today, and we could have all shouted, had a good time, and, and sweated and cried our eyelashes off. And See, when I was growing up, we just had mascara run down our face. Now we just cry our eyelashes off. <laughs> got to clean up the altars, pick up the eyelashes on your way out. You say, hey, baby, this one looks like yours. It's this long. Here. <laughs> if you get all of the verse that says, if you get part of the verse that says tongues shall cease, you get all of the verse. And it says knowledge will too. And I'm going to tell you, has, I got a question for you. Has knowledge ceased? Or has it increased? By the way, didn't, didn't, didn't this word proclaim to you that in the last days, one of the signs of his coming would be there would be an explosion of knowledge? So if, knowledge, if, if tongues has ceased at the apostolic age, then knowledge ceased at the apostolic age, and the Lord's already came back. He hadn't came back, and knowledge hadn't ceased. And, and you know up until, you know that man, that man traveled the same way from then the, by horse, by wagon, by camel, by whatever, the same way we traveled the globe about the same way until the last hundred years or so. We communicated by the same way too. Tablet, paper, carrier pigeon. <laughs> until about the last hundred years. Then everything changed. Then everything changed again. I remember when I never lost my phone because it was on the wall in the kitchen. <laughs> when we moved to Desert, we walked into our new house. 
for our, the parsonage, and we, when we walked in the door, we walked, there was a phone, a kitchen wall phone in the kitchen, on the, and Shia, as soon as she walked in the door, she looked at it, she said, what's that? Thanks, baby. When that which is perfect has come, none of these things will ever be needed again because all things will be fulfilled. Like a double wheel with one more thing, then we're going to an altar call. Because I'm just telling you, just blame it on Jesus. Because the promise is unto you and your children. All those that are far off, even as many as the Lord your God should call. And the line is, is that he gave, them the, he gave them this power, he gave them this language, he gave them this thing because they were establishing the church and they needed power in the middle of their persecution. But then he told us that, that the last days would be the most dangerous times that man had ever lived. But they needed his power, but we don't. Then you have to deal with, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons that what he's done for one he will do for another he was never going to equip any age more than he will equip the next because he doesn't change church the promise is for you the promise is for you and the day that we live in the promise is for you the promise is for you the promise is for you. I will submit that denominationally all across this world as the days get darker and the times get harder and the violence gets worse that you're going to see people that thought we were crazy that's going to become tongue talkers. They're going to become tongue talkers because they're going to go to God in desperation and say, God, i got to have help. i got to have you. i got to have everything you need. And when, they say that, and when their heart says, i got to have everything you have for me, I'm going to tell you what Jesus is going to do. He's going to baptize them in the Holy Ghost. He, he, that's what's going to happen. When, they say, when I say, I've got to have whatever I need, that's what's going to happen. He's going to baptize them in the Holy Ghost. And they're going to be shocked. <laughs> no. Nah. Pentecost is not a denomination. It's not a slur. It was his idea. And he intended for his church to be endued with power. All of it. Everyone in it. He intended, he never intended for you, us to be powerless. Ever. The promise is unto you. And there's one more person in this room that says, Pastor, I've been seeking for a long time. And it just hadn't happened. I understand. I was 30 years old, raised in this thing, born under the pew. Believed it all my life. I experienced the power of God all around me. Loved it. I loved the Word. Since I was a kid, I loved to see the manifestations of the Spirit all my life. I've always believed in it, and I always believed it was for me. But I had a barrier. I was 30 years old and really, frankly, had come to the most desperate time in my life. What it amounted to was, was J.R. thought he had it all together and he wanted everything God had, but there's a, there's a, thing, there's a thing of submission. There's a thing of, 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 letting, of letting go of control. There's a, there's, a, there's a part about letting God have it all that some of us struggle with. And I'm, I, I just bottom, get down to the bottom line. He had to plow through 30 years of pride. 
And whenever I came to the place, I'd lo- I mean, I'd lost nearly everything anyway. I was broken before God in the world. I didn't have anything else to lose. And I remember the night on, on that side of the altar on a Sunday night at, at 1111 South Elm Street in Paris, Arkansas, when I got over there by myself and said, God, I'm desperate. I can't make it. I need you more than the air I breathe. I need you the, the, my, more than my next drink. I need you more than my next bite of food. And before I even knew what happened to me, heaven exploded in my soul. And, he, and Jesus baptized J.R. Armstrong and the power of the Holy Ghost. And I've never been the same I have never been the same since. And you won't either. The promise is to you. Now, if you're taking medicine, you shouldn't have came to Mag. <laughs> That's all I got to tell you. Because if, it, if, it's, if it's six minutes to 12 and you got medicine, if the, if the roast is burning, if you're going to come to Mag, next time put, the, put it in the crock pot on low because sometimes we take a while. See, I'm not a, we're, we're, I'm not, we're not in a hurry here. We, we, we want to have time to get into the presence of God, and we want to have time to break the bread of life, and we want to have time for you to respond to it. Too long we've been Christianettes here and sermonettes and churchettes, and <laughs> the promise is to you. And if you don't like it, just blame it on Jesus. promises to you.